Hey everyone, we have received exceptional support for the Diaries Plus. It means so much to us. It's been a tough year for us. We're down on sponsors, but you keep lifting us up and making this show possible. And because of that, we get to keep making more cool shows for you. So today we're releasing a new series on Diaries Plus called Good, Good, Bad. Trips, adventures, and fiascos that define our lives. On New Year's Eve 2023, Mason Gravelly slid a stand-up paddleboard into the tannin-stained waters of Lake Okeechobee and embarked on an adventure he's been dreaming of for years, an unsupported crossing of one of our country's biggest lakes. Between the weather, toxic algae, and alligators, he was told it was preposterous. But Mason's journey was a culmination of years of Florida adventures and a passion for conservation. Here's a little taste of the first good, good, bad episode, Alligator Lake. Wherever you are is an adventurous place to people that aren't from there. And so it's like, I'll be honest, right now at this point in my life, I would never leave within an hour or two of my home if I could. And I'd probably, that's probably going to change at some point. But right now, that's like my reality. And I did not see that coming. Like, I I would have laughed at you if you you said that's the way you're going to think in five years. And so... It, it, all of us have to go through it. Like, oh, adventure is elsewhere or life and fulfillment and what we're looking for is elsewhere. And I think part of maturing and just part of just living this life is one, going through that. And two, <laughs> realizing everything you need is right here. You know, how many times have people told us that, but it, it takes learning it yourself, you know? Subscribe to Plus Now for the full story and access to all new episodes. As always, Thank you for your support. Now, on to the show. Good morning, Cordelia. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. So I saw this quote floating around somewhere, which is, this is not the year you get everything you want. This is the year you appreciate everything you have. (laughs) I would say that that hits 2020 on the head. (laughs) (laughs) So to that end, I've got two questions for you today, Fitz. First, what have you appreciated this year? Um, a lot. I mean, from a life, work, parenting, personal level, being honest about 2020, uh, it's, it's been the most challenging year of my life. Um, but I'm also, you know, every day when I open the newspaper, I'm super cognizant, um, of how incredibly fortunate our family is for all the reasons. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, if I were to get like a little bit more specific, I've been so grateful that Becca's accident wasn't as bad as it seemed at first. Um, she's making a full recovery. So that, that was a huge thing in my life this year. And I'm so grateful for our health, you know, Mm -hmm. um, my kids, I've been getting to watch them grow up on the daily, which is, which is kind of cool. It's been a little bit less hectic in certain ways in my life. Um, you know, my community, we felt so lifted up when things were difficult for us that it it didn't actually feel that difficult all the times. Mm -hmm. And, um, this podcast, yeah. Uh, but when, uh, 2020 ends in like four to five months, I hang on. Wait, I just four to five months. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. Cordelia. You can't joke about that. Bit. <laughs> Too real. <laughs> Seriously. This, this year will end in four to five months. Don't worry about it. Um, next question. Okay. <laughs> what about those things that you wanted? Like what are the sides of this year that did feel disappointing to you 
I think that that's harder for me to talk about. I mean, like, I could be like, oh, I didn't get to go on a trip. And, like, I don't know. I'm just not that worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my kids to be happy. You know, I want Becca to be happy. I, I want to be happy, um, particularly with my kids, right? Um, you know, and it's not such a big issue with our youngest, Wiley. Um, but for Tep, it's been more of a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, given given the circumstances, I sort of had to accept that I'm not totally in charge of that, that, you know, Tep's world is, has changed, um, mm-hmm. you know, and he's spending his days on this never-ending Zoom call called school. And shout out to all the teachers out there because I, I know it must be so rugged on the other end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has pretty limited social activities. And, you know, we've gone into new restrictions and basically the, the little bits that he did have have kind of vanished. It, it's Groundhog Day for him right now. And, and like, my... My heart goes out to him. Um, like even like you know, we we've been getting like library books. You reserve them online. You go drive through. You get like an appointment. You pick them up, and he's like fist pumping, psyched when that happens. He's like, "Yes, new books!" And you're like, "That's wonderful." But you know, and I'm psyched, psyched on reading. But it's maybe like a little bit out of proportion. I'd say mm-hmm. normally to like normal library trips. Um, yeah. So, what have you been doing? to try to keep him sane? Um, you know, the, it's funny. Uh, I've been doing what's kept me sane and happy through so many parts of my life. Um, and I've been taking him climbing. Um, I am pretty cognizant that just because I love something doesn't mean my kid should or will. Uh, you know, in the past, he's if he's psyched, we go. Um, or if we're like camping with a bunch of family, I'll ki- take all the kids top roping. But you know, outside of like a trip or two a year, he hasn't shown a lot of like excitement in climbing. Like he's way more psyched on skiing or biking or, you know, just hiking in the outdoors. Like he just Mm -hmm. likes that. And that's totally cool. Um, this year, like during the fall though, it was like, we just needed something to, to sort of break the monotony of, of his world. And, give him something to kind of like look forward to. So basically like once a week we were, we were doing that in the last few months. Um, And for me, climbing is something I worked really hard at. Like I gave a lot of myself, I put a lot of energy into it to become, to excel at it, to become good at it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't great at it, but I was, was pretty competent and pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so like, I know a lot about the sport. I know from like the technical sides and I've just been, when we go, I've just been doing my best to just, let him do what he wants with climbing. Like mm-hmm. if you want to hang upside down, like a wrecking ball from a rope, go for it, dude. You know, you want to, you want to leap to the next hold, go for it. You want to do the same route over and over again. Hell yeah. You know, and I think in normal times, so many kids are being put into climbing as a sport, like the way they would soccer, um, that it's like something to succeed in, that it's a team. And and that's not how I discovered it. I, I got to discover it outside of competition or athletic excellence. And right now with, you know, with these weekly trips, I just want to sort of say to Tep, like, hey, this is climbing. Do what you want with it. It doesn't come with any rules or instructions if you don't want it to. Just let it make you smile. Well, today we have a story about that sense of discovery and the places it can take you. It's kind of wonderful. I'm Fitzcahal. I'm Cordelia Zars. Actually, wait, quick question. Is that working with TEP? It's a bright spot, and that's all it needs to be right now. Good. 
You're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. One fall afternoon, 15-year-old Fernanda Rodriguez and her sister went for a walk in the woods outside their neighborhood in Guadalajara, Mexico. When they rounded a bend on the trail, Fernanda noticed a group of people gathered around a rock. And I said to my sister, did you see these guys are like doing something in the rock? And my sister said, yes, they are walking in the rock. And we didn't know even this world, climbing, we didn't know about anything of about climbing, and I was shocked. Fernanda and her sister gazed at the group of climbers. Mesmerized, they slowly inched closer until they could trace every movement with their eyes. One of the boulderers noticed Fernanda and her sister staring at them through the woods. He hollered over and invited them to join. And my sister and I see each other, eh, do you want to go first? My sister say, you go first, and I go second. Fernanda, who also goes by Ferry, approached the rock and the group of climbers. Timidly, she asked where to start, and they helped her find holds and place her feet and hands on the boulder. I consider myself a very lucky human being. Ferry tried a few moves, and the climbers coached and encouraged her. The feeling of being on the rock was something she'd never felt before. Climbing brought me to this amazing feeling of freedom. Allowed me to feel the control of my life and be responsible for my own decisions. Climbing take me to this instinct, like animal, like uh, moving around the trees, the rock, and it showed me a world full of possibilities and one really happy world. Fernanda had grown up in a small apartment with her four brothers and sisters, mom and dad. For me, to be a child was like just be a quiet person and just uh, playing with my brothers and sisters. And there were no chance to be like Olympic gymnastic or something else. I used to imagine myself as a great athlete when I was a child, but for the moment, financially, wasn't uh, enough. First of all, my parents were worried about feeding me. All the focus were in the pay for the expenses of the house. Then everything else was a luxurious. Even taking vacations were not a part of a family plan. Growing up in a crowded apartment, Fernanda relished the chance to get outside, even for a walk. She loved the feeling of moving along a trail, of breathing the fresh air and listening to the birds. It gave her a space to wander and daydream. When Fernanda was growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, not a whole lot of infrastructure existed in Mexico for girls to play sports, especially girls from low-income neighborhoods in Guadalajara. 
So Fetty used her walks in the woods to connect to her body and to fantasize about becoming a professional athlete. So when she set her hands on a boulder for the first time, something clicked. I started feeling something inside me, like a flame was lit in my heart. After that first day, Fernanda came back to the boulder every day after school, and every weekend. Through practice, her body began to understand the rock, the dance of balance, strength, and mental control. I never went to the climbing gym because I have no idea that exists. Instead, Fernanda found her strength on the vertical faces of El Diente. It's famous in Mexico for its granite walls, perfect for bouldering and sport climbing. As a teenager, Fetty started to build friendships with the older climbers who frequented the area. Soon she began tagging along with them to sport climb walls in the area. Her sister started climbing too, and the pair of them teamed up to belay each other on bigger and bigger walls as the months went by. I was attending the high school from 7 to 2 p.m., and after I straight to the rocks to climbing. From 2, I get to the wall from 3 to 8 o'clock, maybe. Yes, I spend all the evening in the rock, just for fun, just because I, I really love the sunset there and being there, just climbing or not, just spend my time there in the forest, in the nature. Fernanda had never felt so strong, happy, and connected with nature. She switched over to Spanish to explain in more detail, which she'll do a couple more times in this story. When I say connection with nature, I mean the conversation I have with myself, with my own nature. Because when you're on the mountain, you're hearing the river, you're hearing the birds. It's all part of listening to your own being as it calls to you. It's listening to everything that connects you in that moment to a state of flow. Because climbing is a meditation in movement. It's a way of enjoying the present moment. And climbing brings me into the present. Fernanda's family didn't know what to make of her new activity. My family think, uh, just be careful, because if you die, I don't know what happened after. So it's your responsibility if you fall or if you break your arms or a bone. So just don't cry and be responsible. And I say, oh, thanks for the advice and thanks for the support. And to be honest, my mom and my dad doesn't know about climbing because they thought um was uh, just walking, walking in the mountain, and they didn't know about anything else. And uh, in that days, I didn't bring any picture, any photo, or any video, because I didn't have a cell phone or a camera. <laughs> I asked Fernanda what her family said when she came home with scrapes and dirt on her hands. No, I used to wash my hands before. Because if I came home super dirty, maybe they just say to me, stop to do this because you're a super dirty girl. And I say, okay, I, maybe I just want to wash my hands and do some laundry before. But I, I used to worry about that because my parents were like, where are you doing? Where are you being? They had no idea. Fernanda didn't want to risk being forced to give up her new passion. 
It was her way of rebelling, of escaping to a space that made her feel empowered and joyful, despite her family's poverty and despite a culture that discouraged girls from playing sports. So she kept her little secret to herself, disappearing into the woods and coming home with a proud grin and freshly washed hands. But as she climbed more, Fernanda's body began to take a different shape, and that was harder to hide from her family and friends. When I was a child, I was a like, super skinny girl. And when I started climbing, I started doing muscles in my, in my body. And people say, what are you doing? Are you weightlifting or something like that? And I say, no, I'm a rock climber. What? Are you rappelling down? No, I'm a rock climber. I'm going up. And they say, ah, your body is like a man's body. Fernanda adored the way climbing made her feel. But as a teenage girl, the commentary about her changing body didn't fail to affect her. Sports were just for a man. And the type of girls were just skinny girls and dancers or just a um, regular type of body. And for me, was I was the first generation of climbers in Mexico. The girls look me like, ah, oh, what are you doing? You look like almost a man. And I was like, oh, my God. One day I came home and I see myself in the mirror and I think about it and I say, oh, maybe I have to stop it. Fernanda, for the first time, felt shame for her bulging shoulders and calloused hands. She wondered if maybe she'd taken this dream too far. But I say to myself, no, if you stop to climb, just stop to be happy. Just don't hear about it and keep doing what you really love to do, which is climb. Fernanda cast aside the expectations society had for her as a girl and continued to climb steadily for the next several years. At that time, Fernanda only knew of four other girls who climbed in her home state. She got to know more people, mostly guys, in the climbing community around Guadalajara, and they helped push her. Near the end of high school, Fernanda heard about a bouldering competition happening close to El Diente. One of her friends and climbing mentors nudged Fernanda into signing up. The competition had three categories, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When Fernanda went to list her name in the beginner category, she saw all the slots were full. The only option left was to sign up in the advanced category. She'd be competing on boulder problems rated between V6 and V12. And in the advance, we were like seven girls, only seven in all around Mexico. Fernanda chalked up and told herself to try her best, even though she figured she didn't really have much of a shot in the advanced category. I won the second place, yes. And the first one was one of the best rock climbers in Mexico, Chere Silva, and she won the first place. The second place prize gifted a month free at a climbing gym, a pair of climbing shoes, and a harness. Fernanda had never had the money to climb at a gym or to buy any of her own gear, so she was over the moon. I felt super happy, and I said, okay, I want to go to the next competition, and maybe the prize is going to be a rope or a grigri or a quick dress, and I can have my own equipment for climbing. 
because I don't have the money for buy equipment. And I started to think about serious uh, possibility for being a professional climber. And I decided, okay, this is my chance. I see a chance for me that day. Inspired by that first competition outside Guadalajara, Fernanda set her sights on becoming a professional climber. She knew that she had the determination and skill to reach her goal. The factors limiting her growth would just be time and money. Even when I was uh, in the school, I've been climbing and I've been working at the same time. And when finally I finished the high school, I started working in a plaza uh, selling shoes. And I was terrible, terrible job because it was super boring and was a, like full-time job. And I thought it's not my goal to be here and just thinking about climbing and just counting the hours for going out. I started working for uh, like three months and then after skip and just climbing. And then when the money ends, I back to work. After her job in the plaza, Fernanda rotated between waitressing, painting houses, and washing dishes. Even with her hectic schedule, Fernanda started winning competitions. Her gear collection grew, and her confidence and comfort on the rock skyrocketed. She started competing in more elite tiers and focused on a disciplined training regime. Soon, she decided to participate in a series of competitions that allowed her to qualify for the Federation of Climbing in Mexico— a national team of sport climbers supported by the Mexican government. She hoped the Federation would begin sponsoring her as a full-time athlete if she climbed well enough in the coming years. So along with her peers on the team, Fernanda started training more in climbing gyms and traveling around Mexico for indoor competitions. She didn't get outside as much anymore, but she reasoned it was the price she had to pay to set herself up for a professional climbing career. Escalar es el movimiento. Climbing is about the movement, and the movements are more or less the same whether it's in a gym or on a rock outside, but the feeling changes a lot. Climbing outside is a feeling of freedom. It's a feeling of connection with Mother Earth and with our own beings. And for me, climbing in a gym takes away that feeling of freedom and focuses more on the elements of training and discipline because that's what I was seeking in the evolution of my career as a rock climber. But climbing in a gym will never give me the same feeling of freedom as climbing outside on the rocks. So Ferry gave up her sunsets and fresh air for more time to train in the gym, her eyes set on sponsorship. After many years of working part-time, training, and traveling with her team to competitions, Fernanda competed for the Mexican team in a circuit of World Cup qualifiers in 2012. The competitions began at the regional level and then advanced to state and national championships. The climber to win the most points over the competition would have the chance to represent Mexico in the 2012 Bouldering World Cup in Vail, Colorado. At 24 years old, Fernanda won the entire series. She looked to the Federation, hopeful her win would merit sponsorship, But the Federation, which only receives a small sum of money from the Mexican government each year, only had enough to buy Fernanda's flights to America. 
Fernanda took what she could get. She figured maybe she performed well enough in Vail, she'd earn another shot at proving her talent and getting sponsored to climb full-time. After the break, Fernanda heads to Vail. Stay with us. And support comes from Kuat Racks. They just released the Ibex, an overlanding truck bed rack that handles substantial loads both on and off the grid because being off the grid is dope. Constructed from lightweight yet durable aluminum, the black powder coat is made for all the nature you can throw at it. Available in six different frame sizes to accommodate most truck models, the Ibex is engineered for adventure with versatile full and half height configurations. For more details, visit kuat.com. Kuat because you will absolutely love this bedrock and all the dope places you go. In May 2012, Fernanda chalked up for her first bouldering World Cup in Vail, Colorado. She felt intimidated as she sized up the competition. I knew immediately that it will be a difficult race for me at that point. If I really want to conquer one super high goal, which is uh, to win one of these competitions. Hanging about with one right arm on those blue volumes there, just an exceptional climber. As she looked around the room, she saw a lot of sponsored athletes. Their job was to train. With her work schedule, Fernanda was lucky to get three or four days of training in every week. After completing six boulder problems in the first round, Fernanda came in 24th place. Vail is a global draw. Among the six women and men podium finishers, two would go on to qualify for the Olympics. Nina Williams, who's one of today's leading outdoor climbers, she came in 25th. Being 24th in the world without sponsorship is incredibly impressive. But for Fernanda, it was a huge disappointment. And was super far away from from the first place and I say no Fernanda (laughs) this is not for you I feel sad about my results and I see all my discipline before the competition and I say it's not enough for me and I doing my best I think I have no chance at this point of my life I can go to work and just have like three or four days just for training and I, I see my goal super far away from me. I saw these girls in the podium super far away from my possibilities, from my own training and from my economic situation, to be honest. It was, was kind of uh, like break hard. Fernanda had hoped that if she reached the podium in Vail, she'd get sponsored to climb professionally. That was the life she'd dreamed of since she was 15 years old. But in Vail, she realized that becoming a top athlete in this field meant a few things. Training full-time and traveling to more competitions. And she couldn't afford to do either. It was great to be there and was the end for me. (laughs)
Disheartened, Fernanda flew back to her home in Mexico. She looked back on the thousands of hours of training, the discipline, the exhausting schedule, the dreams she'd set her mind to since she was a girl, and wondered, what had it all been for? She felt like crying. And for the first time since she was a teenager, she thought, maybe she should quit. Where had rock climbing gotten her, anyway? Fernanda closed her eyes and let her mind settle. I see myself in a clear space and I say, okay, Fernanda, what's next? And for a long time, I was training with a very clear objectives. My challenge uh, was um, winning a competition, get on the podium with the Mexican flag and represent my country with pride. Fernanda realized then that training for competitions for so long, all inside gyms, had led her away from the way she used to interact with the sport, connected to nature, connected to herself. She'd pursued sponsorship for so long that she'd forgotten what it felt like to traipse through the woods after school, climb a wall, and watch the sunset. I decided to return to the rocks and rock climbing. With the same passion that experienced it on my very first day, climbing on a rock, being in the mountain, and doing what I like the most, climbing for climbing, for fun, for freedom, for myself. I decided to redirect my goals to find my true purpose in life. No Mexican woman has climbed 514, you can be the first. Fernanda started working in a gym in Monterrey, another city about 10 hours northeast of Guadalajara, teaching children the basics of climbing. In her off time, she began researching 514 routes in Mexico. El Salto is one of the most popular places in, in the north of Mexico. And this line, beautiful line, it's called the H-Bomb. It's one of the most popular uh, 514s in Mexico. And I say, Fernanda, go and try the H-bomb is a two-pitch 514 face climb at a limestone crag called La Cueva in El Salto. It's famous for the giant H-shaped hole halfway up the wall, as well as its varied textures and holds. When Fernanda set out for her first training mission in El Salto, she couldn't get over how good it felt to be back outside. Recuerdo haber sentido esa, esa conexión. I remember coming back to that feeling of connection connection with nature and connection with myself. I felt myself settle into a state of flow. Finally, I was in a place where there weren't all these rules, like there were in the competitions, about what you can and can't do. On the rock, everything is more freestyle. On the rock, everything is more personal. So that reinvigorated my passion for the sport. Fueled by her new mission, Fernanda recreated the sequence of the crux in her climbing gym and worked on the moves every day after work. On weekends, she practiced on the rock. After a month of training, Fernanda packed up her gear and headed to El Salto on an evening in October. She and three of her friends hiked the 30-minute approach into the canyon and camped out under the stars. 
Fernanda was too excited to sleep much that night. At six the next morning, she unzipped her sleeping bag, did some stretches, and rubbed her hands together to warm up. She stepped into her harness and prepped her gear. After a few deep breaths, Fernanda started up the route. I say to myself first, just go a muerte. Do your best and doesn't matter if you fall, just go for it. Her friends cheered her on from the ground, shouting, venga, venga, which means, come on, come on. The first part of the route is pretty tranquilo, just a 5'11 plus, no big deal. So she used the first 10 meters to wake up her muscles. She felt good, connected. In the first part, you have the arch, and then it's like kind of traverse. At the top of that first section, Fernanda rested with a knee bar in the big H-shaped hole. She took a few breaths and stared up at the first crux. It's a short section, just seven meters, and rated a V10 boulder problem. The crux is super fun. It's kind of like sides, like super flat sides and a little bit overhand, pinches and too fast. After the crux, Fernanda sped through the next 15 meters until the overhang, where she rested again before taking on the third section. Ferry had memorized her sequence to get through the technical 512 plus climbing. I asked Fernanda what she thought about as she climbed. I'm just thinking about, I want to be the first woman, <laughs> to be honest. That was my purpose. But at the same time, I was in the route, feeling the moves, just feeling myself. And, and I was super focused on my process. And I, I was super happy to be again in the rocks. After just 25 minutes, Fernanda pulled herself through the final move and touched the top of the route. When I got to the top, I was like, oh, I don't know how to explain, like, I was like in ecstasy. I was like in a dream, living a dream. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, this is real. Yes, it's real. And you are not pump. You're so completely resting in the right spots and I was super, super happy about it. Indefinitely I say to me, for this is this is the uh, this is the first comienzo como se this is the beginning. The beginning. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of your life. In 2012, Fernanda became the first Mexican woman to climb a 514 route. Reaching the top of the pitch that day lit a fire in her heart, much like the feeling she'd gotten the very first day she discovered climbing all those years ago. That day, climbing reminds me that all I need to do is be happy, be confident, and do the things for me, 
if I going to do something has to be just for me and for inspire others in a good way and feeling that freedom that opens my mind and opens my heart to reconnect why I'm a rock climber. Uh, when I was uh, thinking about this, I remember this uh, reggae song by Jimmy Cliff. It's called You Can Get It If You Really Want. <laughs> It's a nice song. It's a reggae song. And say, you can get it if you really want. Just, just you must try, try and try, try and try. And something like that. But it's a really cool song, reggae song. The passion for what we love to do or purpose in life is stronger than any economic limitations. So money, it's not an excuse. Without climbing, she's not sure she would have learned how to turn the obstacles in her life into steps. Para mí, lo más importante que la escalada me ha dado es... For me, the most important thing that climbing has taught me is the importance of honesty to be honest with oneself and to teach others. In life, we have to push ourselves hard to reach our goals. And climbing always gives us the opportunity to fall and get up, fall and get up. I feel very blessed to have been a woman and to be a Mexican. And every time that somebody came to me and asked me for advice, I say... Climb until you reach your goals. Be strong and be very, very brave. Thank you, Fernanda, for sharing your story. Music today from Sunsearcher, Jason Shaw, Kai Engel, Kevin McLeod, and Brendan O'Connell. Tracks are courtesy of the Artists or Free Music Archive. It's Jacob Bain and Nice Cotto composed our theme song. You can find links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced and translated by Cordelia Zars and edited by Becca Cahal. Voiceovers by Ashley Langholz. Illustration by Walker Call. Graphics by Anya Miller. Special thanks to Fernanda's friends Ruben, Danielle, Mariana, and Rodrigo for their enthusiastic cheering in this episode. And to Haley Schreier for recording. Becca Call is our executive producer. I'm Fitzka Hall, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.